everyone, and welcome to Armchair HIPAA. Armchair HIPAA is the podcast for compliance officers by compliance officers. I'm Sarah Badaman, host of Armchair HIPAA and CEO of HIPAAtrack. This week, I am so excited. One of my compliance heroes, Nick Gallo, chief servant of Compliance Line, is going to be talking to us. I am super excited. So pull up your favorite armchair and let's listen to Nick. Welcome, Nick. I am super excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here, Sarah. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know who you are or who Compliance Line is, why don't you let us know? So uh, my name's Nick. I run Compliance Line with uh, my brother Giovanni, and Compliance Line is, uh, we're kind of a mini Navex. So we have a suite of corporate integrity products ranging from whistleblower solutions and case management to ongoing screening and monitoring um, and compliance training that doesn't suck. So we serve uh, companies of all sizes and we really try to help leaders who care reinforce their culture, uh, crowdsource uh, risk management, and ultimately reinforce their bottom line with, you know, smart, comprehensive compliance solutions from people who actually care. I love that. So that's something that I think compliance line and just you and I both have in common is like, we are compliance that cares. Like we have a heart, which I think is super important. So I also have to say, you know, how much I adore you, but that was such a dry way of saying what y'all do, because there is so much more. If anybody follows you on LinkedIn or even goes to compliance lines website, they know like how committed y'all are to actually just serving, which is so fitting because that's actually your title, chief servant. So why did you choose yeah, chief I mean, servant? That's that's our whole, you know, when we when we came into compliance line, we, you know, most org most org charts look like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. And we as humans are wired to serve up. We serve that which is above us. And, you know, I always say that if you don't believe me, then just ask a three year old to help you do the dishes and watch how how their eyes light up when you give them the spatula to put in the drawer. So we're wired to serve that way. And most of those org structures, everyone is serving the person above them. So the frontline people are serving the managers. Those managers are serving the supervisors who are serving the execs who are ultimately serving the CEO. And nowhere in that triangle is the person or the people who keep the lights on and that's the client. So when we came, we flipped the org chart upside down. We view ourselves as the roots of the tree and we're trying to pull these nutrients out of the soil and push those up to the branches so that we can grow a nice, big, healthy tree that can be full of uh, birds, those are clients, right? So our uh, the top of our org chart is our client and you know we're in a service business. And um, it's bizarre that in today's faceless uh, transactional culture, economy, whatever, um, that these sort of just basic old school principles of actually caring about your client, actually putting them first, actually owning your mistakes when they happen um, can be such a breath of fresh air. So that's kind of the basis of our whole approach. We're a service organization. We need to be an organization full of servants and it's got to start with us, you know? Yeah. And what I love about that. So first of all, that's just brilliant. And you don't really see that, um, in any organization, like much less a, a, a company, the size of compliance line. So like, that's, that's really cool. Um, but also when we look at compliance, that's exactly the mentality that the compliance department and compliance professionals should be taking, right? You is we are here to serve the betterment of the entire organization. So, cause people don't like us anyway, right? 
Um, they didn't like the old us. I think they're going to love the new us. You know, the compliance, the compliance 1.0, they didn't like the compliance 2.0 was a little obnoxious. I think the compliance 3.0 is going to be well loved. Um, and I think I got this from you, but like compliance can and should be sort of the lifeblood of the organization. It wraps around everything. It touches all the different aspects, uh, touches all the organs, so to speak. And so, you know, the organs don't hate the blood vessels. Well, they don't hate them because they're bringing the right things that they need to them. Uh, to keep them alive. And I think compliance has that opportunity as we step into this compliance 3.0 frame uh, where we're focused on effectiveness, where we're focused on serving and we're not just walking around with uh, you know, uh, a writing crop telling people to follow the policy. We're translating the policy and making it actionable for them or we're giving them the tools they need to help the organization run faster down the road. You know? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a brilliant way of thinking of it, right? So I've, I've always said that the compliance department was like the vascular system of the the company, you know, the hospital, the clinic, whatever, because we only work in healthcare. Yeah. I know y'all work everywhere, but it's like, no, we can only, like, this is what we do. We push it. We make sure that you're still breathing and we make sure you can still do everything you're supposed to be doing. But I never thought of it as an operating system, right? So if we think about like the windows, like mm-hmm. before, so maybe when I first started in compliance, I was like the Windows 95. <laughs> <laughs> With AOL email, you've got yeah. mail. Yeah. And now, like, maybe we're at, like, Windows XP. There's still some things I still see that we need to improve upon, right? And oh. as long as we don't go from XP to Vista, we should be fine, right? Vista was a, tra- <laughs> was a train wreck. It was a disaster, right? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think that there's a lot that we can do still to improve how compliance is viewed, right? Because one of the things that we still come across, at least at HIPAA is this resistance that regulatory compliance and just compliance in general is standing in the way of the main objective of the clinic or the hospital, which is patient care. So what do you think about that comment? I don't know. I mean, does the seatbelt stand in the way of the driver staying alive or driving (laughs) down the the road faster? It doesn't, right? So I just, I just think it keeps coming down to this branding problem. I, you know, I think compliance in general, uh, has a branding issue. And I, I don't think that, you know, we're, we're great at legalese. We're great at making comprehensive rules. We're, we're, we're great at coloring within the lines, but we haven't, you know, this last mile, so to speak, or this compliance 3.0 jump into effectiveness is really going to be a game of translation and influence. So I think that's really what it is. It's about reframing who we are and the role that, that we play. And look, I understand kind of what it's rooted, it's rooted in and what it kind of comes from. Um, you know, many times it is a function that is understaffed. It's, uh, maybe under, but, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have enough budget to do what it needs to do. Um, there, everyone's to do the list is very long and everybody kind of suffers from this goalie syndrome, right? Goalie syndrome is, you know, you can block a thousand shots and then that one gets through at the, in the championship and the whole game is your, you know, the loss is a hundred percent your, your yeah. fault. So that, that, that just creates a dynamic, especially when, um, there's not a lot of power uh, that has been sort of vested in these organizations, you know, in the, the, the compliance department, so to speak, um, that can lead to that, you know, walking around with a hammer and trying to hit people over the head and saying, like, well, these are the rules and you got to follow these rules. I mean, people are only going to follow what they want to follow at the end of the day. You know, there's labor mobility is high. People have their own bills to pay. People have their own goals to achieve in their, their organization. And it's really going to be a game of influence as we translate, you know, this massive code of conduct this massive book of policies into actionable steps for folks 
in a way that's digestible, that's gonna let them see like, oh, you know, this seatbelt actually helps me go faster because I can push it to the limit and I know where, mm -hmm. you know, if we wreck, I'm gonna be safe, right? I mean, the, the analogy kind of breaks down a little bit in the context of a car wreck, but compliance should in fact be, you know, the, uh, the thing that helps us go faster and run faster down the road, not this thing that's, that's holding us back. But again, the beautiful part about this is it's just a reframe. We're not, we don't have to actually change anything. We just have to change about how we talk. We just have to change the way that we talk about it, the way that we interact with people. Like that, that's, that's easy. It's just bringing some humanity into the context of a function that frankly has historically been just straight logic and ones and zeros and, you know, very kind of objective. Yeah, I love that, right? I love that you said rebranding. So it's like in making it like your servant type of mentality and approach to things. So yeah. if you had to rebrand the entire compliance industry, what would be the first step that you took? Look, I think, you know, my brother and I, we kind of rebranded the CEO role in the context of our company. Right. And so it's an uphill battle for, for sure. And if you think about like, um, somebody gave us this example, they said like, if your lat, you know, if your spouse cheated on you and you get into a new relationship, you're going to bring some of that baggage with you. So I think people just have some baggage, you know, again, to use this uh, metaphor I'm using in the context of us coming in, they, ha they have a view of what CEOs are and they have a view of of what role those people play of not caring and being self-serving and all those mm -hmm. kind of profit-minded things. So like it definitely takes some time, but it's also kind of easy to, to do. Like people want to believe it, you know, they don't want an enemy. They, they'd rather have someone who's helping them achieve their own goals and, you know, not be self-serving and not putting people over profits and stuff like, like that. So I'm just saying it is possible. Um, but it takes, it takes kind of taking that first step. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when we came in, we, we said that we're, we're the servants of the organization. And, you know, we do this thing called day zero and I just did a bunch of one-on-ones with our whole team. And like, we do this thing called day, day zero, you know, there's a lot of uh, behavioral psychology that says when you're doing a major, you know, when you're a major life event is happening, that's the right time to like, you know, generate some change in your life. So if you want to quit smoking, do that when you get married or you want to change your diet, do that when you have a kid or something, right? major life event. So getting a new job is a major life event. And so we try to use that before everybody starts filling out all their paperwork and getting trained in their individual area. We stop and we pause and we talk about like who we are as a company. What is our background? What's your individual, you know, where, where do you come from? What are our goals as an organization? Like, where are we going? How does the role that you have fit into this bigger picture of our goal of trying to make the world a better workplace? And in my, in my one-on-ones yesterday, a couple of people said, you know, we thought that like that day zero, you know, that was fun. We got lunch and watched some videos and stuff like that. Like, but we thought it was kind of BS. And, you know, I saw over time that it's not, that it's actually real. And so my point is you can plant those seeds and uh, you can rebrand in an efficient way. And I think a pretty, in a much quicker way than people think by making a couple of little changes, but it's going to start with, like I said, taking that first step and really kind of putting on that servant's heart. Again, the nice part about this is that uh, people in compliance largely are smart people who care. So it's not like you're teaching some psychopath to start caring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they already care. They, we probably are already have an oversampling of, of, Carrie, uh, yeah. of empathy. So let's bring some of that empathy and release that authentic thing that's already inside of us within our, our organization and start reaching across the aisle and start making friends with HR and start having a united front with, uh, with finance and start building a relationship with strategy and seeing, well, what are your goals? What can I do to help you? 
And that's going to start to cascade across the organization, start knocking those dominoes over of this rebrand that's going to be the foundation of this Compliance 3.0 chapter that we're embarking into. That is so cool. So first of all, I love that you say that they're not psychopaths, right? So you don't have to, so nobody needs to go out and make feeling flashcards, right? Like a happy face that says happy, like we already know what those, those are. I think that, first of all, I thought it was hilarious. Like I'm all like, I'm in pain. Psychopath, is that what we talked about last? So in case, like, as this gets put back in, we had to take a brief break. And so I kind of <laughs> lost where I was at. Um, and we're talking about the rebranding of um, the compliance role, which I think is is really cool. We all have empathy. Nick, jump in anytime. My brain got scrambled with that. No, no. I mean, <laughs> all I'm saying is that the thing that's going to elevate us and help us with the rebrand with the rebrand is leaning into the mm-hmm. humanity that's already in us leaning into the empathy that's already in us leaning into the servant's heart that's in most of the folks that i talk to in compliance like you know i talk about this all the time but like no one is trying to, to pick between being a bond trader and a compliance officer right you see what i'm saying the motivations down those different paths are totally different the priorities and the hierarchy of needs and values down those paths are totally different so i'm saying the people that are largely largely Again, broad brushstroke, but the people in compliance, in ethics, in HR, in these services that you and I deal with and serve are people, are smart people who care. Like, it's not full of a bunch of idiots. It's a bunch of people who go the extra mile. It's a bunch of people who have a heart in their chest and a brain in their head, and they're trying to make the world a better place. So I'm just saying, extend the definition of your world beyond the spreadsheet you're working on or the the policy list that you're making to the other, the other departments that you know, and break down any silos that are that are there and build that bridge across to them and create a united front with some of these other quote unquote cost centers in the organization. And you can really start to elevate. Like, it's just the hearts and minds game. Like, right. this, you know, these people who, you know, we all make friends in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What do you do when somebody moves in and you want to make friends with them? You bring them a casserole or you bring them a gift or something, right? Like there's the the dynamics of that, of that exchange should exist within the workplace because it's just also it's also a bunch of humans you know what i'm saying right no 100 percent. so i love that so one of the best things is a long time ago when i was first starting hypotrack i read a book on um lean development and one of the best things that it said was goob right get out of the building was one of the key principles in like lean principles um but that works in like compliance too, but instead of goob, it would just be goo, get out of the office, right? Get out of the chair, gook. (laughs) However, like, but you have to actually stand up and walk out and talk to people. And which is one of the biggest mistakes we see from a lot of compliance officers because they will sit in their offices, in their chairs, buried down because a lot of us are introverts, y'all. We don't really like talking to a lot of folks. One-on-one meetings we're really cool with, but like big, huge environments we don't like. And so we shy away and we stay inside of our offices. And so, but if we were to actually get up and walk out and do the servant mentality that you were talking about, that could make a huge change because then people will be less afraid of you. Right now, compliance, people are afraid of the compliance department. They see compliance come and it's almost like mom and dad walking in. It's like, whoop. Yeah. Straighten up. Let me do exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me. And so they're afraid. They don't want to come to you when they have a question. They don't want to come to you when they have an issue, especially if they've made a mistake. Right? Think about what your kids do when they make a mistake, Nick. Do they come and say, Daddy, I made a mistake? 
No. Well, maybe yours they do because they're young. <laughs> Look at you. They better, <laughs> which is exactly why they don't. They will try to hide it. So yeah. I can't remember when my two oldest kids, they used to fight like cats and dogs. And like when they were growing up and <clears throat> they would knock, they knocked a hole in the wall and they covered oh, wow. it up. Like this is how smart these kids were. They stuffed the hole with newspaper then put a piece of cardboard over it, and then I had leftover paint in the, like, wow. cubby underneath the stairs. They took that out and painted over the cardboard. Looked terrible. You could see it immediately, right? Right. But they were sure as hell, and that's what your employees are doing. They are stuffing your compliance holes with newspaper and cardboard and trying to paint over it because okay. they're afraid of your reaction. They're afraid of the consequence. Now, say, like... Sanctions should exist in compliance. However, people shouldn't be afraid of telling you about all the holes that they make. Because you will never be able to fix it, and then your house becomes full of holes. Yep, and you're never getting out of of your office, so you don't even know about them. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, because they're not knocking holes in the wall. In your office? Yeah, in your office. (laughs) They're knocking holes all over the hospital. (laughs) Right. And in areas of the hospital, you, know, you never I, walk in. I think that that this this uh, this new normal that we're in is actually a great opportunity for introverts to do this. Like, an introvert is it's not it's not like they're just scared to talk to anybody. Like no. you said, they're, they don't like being in crowds. Well, you can reach out to the head of HR, or you or you can reach out to your counter to your counterpart in finance, or your counterpart in human resources, or in ethics, or whatever. And have a one-on-one Zoom conversation in the present, you know, in the in the comfort of your own place, and you can make that that human connection. But if you're just this faceless thing that's just going to get somebody in trouble, and there's no human connection there, well, then of course they're going to avoid you. Right. But what we're talking about at the foundation is like there's no trust built. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. No, uh, there's no intimacy there. You know what I'm saying? There's no authenticity there. There's no human. You know, there's no uh, humanity. Connection yeah. In the mix, right? No, that's. That's actually really interesting, right? Because I, I think that all the jobs I had before, right, whenever I was actually, I had a compliance officer and I wasn't the compliance officer, I had to tell you, like, I would see them walking down the hall and I would, I would be scared, right? And they didn't really talk to anybody. They only talked to senior leadership folks. They never right. talked to anybody that was actually responsible for following the compliance program, implementing it. Like, we... I think that when I worked at this really large health company, my first job out of undergrad school, like I saw the compliance officer one time and that was the first week that I was hired when he sat me down and made me watch all these videos and they were boring. Right. And he, so, boring. Yeah, yeah, he turned on this like video, like his, <laughs> this was back in like the very early 2000s, but he rolled in the the TV on the thing, put the DVD in and walked out the door. He wasn't even in there while I had to watch like two hours worth of compliance and ethics videos. Right. Like, but we still have those kinds of old school folks. Well, those people are about to get left in the dust. There, I said it. Like they're going to get left <laughs> in the dust by other folks who understand that they're, that we're not a two dimensional square. We're a three dimensional cube. And that this human at this, uh, this humanity dimension is going to be what really elevates and look, there's a generational freaking train coming down down the mm-hmm. tracks in the next five or ten years, depending on how you draw the lines. 
uh, millennials and Gen Zs are going to account for 75% of the workforce. So these old hierarchical, you know, approaches that you're kind of talking about that are rooted, frankly, in the 1890s, in the 19th century, uh, they're going to start to dissipate in our flatter organizations that are really about knowledge work and so forth. So it's going to change one way or another. It's going to change in time or it's going to change as light bulbs start turning on at, at the top and people who are in these positions of power uh, can engage in a little bit of humanity and it's going to freaking be rocket fuel for their effectiveness or they can just keep doing the old thing and then just get, you know, work themselves out of a job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Because compliance is also changing too, right? It's yeah. a lot like a not just the regulations, right? It's not just the regulations that are changing, but it's also the threats to our organization. Um, And so if we don't rethink how we're, we're doing compliance, our organization may not exist, you know, like, because if you're a hospital or a health clinic, you can be fined out of existence. The OCR will be like, okay, sorry, you just keep messing up. So see you later, alligator. So, I mean, to me, though, this is not a scary thing. This is just a phenomenal thing. This is like so much opportunity for our function, which has been this nascent thing, which has been at, you know, the kiddie table, as I say, like, there's so much opportunity in that reframe. And again, you don't have to break everything down and rebuild it. You just have to like point it in a slightly different direction. And you start to just engage in so much like, you know, What's the best way to manage risk? Is it from you just dialing in all all the risk and walking around beating everybody over the head? Or is it from getting everybody engaged and starting to crowdsource risk management? Like that's the name of the game, like crowdsource the risk management, but you have to convince people and influence people and let them see and translate to them what risks, you know, what, what, what's, you know, take the Pareto principle to it perhaps like what are the eight, you know, the 80, 20 rule, you know what I'm talking about? Like what are the 20% of the risks that, you know, would cause 80% of the damage for this department? It's not all the risks they have to know. It starts to take that approach and really have that eye on effectiveness and understand that we're not in a binary world that we, we live in the gray and we swim in the gray. And that's what we have to get, you know, most comfortable with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And recruit people that are actually on the ground to help you with that. I love that. Yeah. Because that's a great way to get them involved, and it's a great way to extend compliance outside of the compliance department. You got it. So, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Nick, for being on our, our podcast today. I really enjoyed it. I this just have fun. so much admiration for you. Oh, well, that it goes both ways. I'm uh, so glad to be here. So honored to be invited on. I love what you're doing. I love your heart for your business and for your clients. And you know, I love uh, I love fighting alongside people who have the same ethos and look at the world the same way that I do. So just so so honored to be on uh, on this podcast with you. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Nick. Mm-hmm.